0: There are signs of strain in the relationship between the government and the country's biggest local body, Auckland Council. The government amalgamated Auckland's eight local bodies nearly three years ago to speed up how the big issues facing New Zealand's largest city are tackled. This Radio New Zealand Insight programme asks if, having created a political body second only to Parliament, the government is now getting in its way.
1: This is a city... With a fragmented past, now for the first time it has a truly unified future. And that future, like its geography and people, has the potential to be remarkable. But remarkable futures don't just happen, they are made. They are made
0: November 2010, Len Brown is sworn in as the inaugural mayor of the freshly amalgamated Auckland Council. Time. Speeches flow about the significance of this moment in history, including from the Prime Minister, John Key.
2: What happens here in Auckland matters to all New Zealanders.
0: The pledge of support from the government acknowledges the big projects planned for Auckland will be a test.
2: Every decision will need to be worked through carefully. Every taxpayer and ratepayer dollar will need to be accounted for wisely. And we won't always agree. But our disagreements should prove no impediment to a constructive relationship.
0: But has the harmony projected at the inauguration lasted? I'm Todd Nile. In this insight I'll be looking at the state of the relationship between the government and the amalgamated Auckland Council which it created. The country's largest political body outside Parliament is nearing the end of its first three-year term. The issues it was set up to confront are now centre stage. But is the government helping or hindering? The tensions between the two sides are enough for Labour to attempt to make political capital out of the situation. Here in Uptown Union Street, Labour erected a billboard featuring the face of the Housing Minister Nick Smith and the slogan, Did you elect this man to run our city? So how are the council and the government handling the big questions facing Auckland, transport, housing and the future shape of the city? Morning. A sunny late morning in April, arriving at Parliament are the Auckland Mayor Len Brown, his deputy Penny Hulse and two mayoral office staff. It's another round of the continuing shuttle diplomacy that occurs between the Beehive and Auckland's Town Hall. On today's agenda, four meetings with senior cabinet ministers on some of Auckland's most pressing issues.
1: So the first meeting that we'll have this morning is with the um, Minister of Finance, Deputy Prime Minister, the Honourable Bill English, uh, and uh, with him will be uh, the Honourable Nick Smith. So, and it's appropriate, actually, um, you know, with the Prime Minister away, um, Bill uh, second in charge, uh, and also he's got a very broad policy brief. Um, you know, We've had uh, very, very good discussions with the Deputy Prime Minister over the last two and a half years. Can
0: face-to-face chats improve relations?
1: It's it's only a half an hour, but look, you can change the world in half an hour.
0: Nothing was revealed about what went on behind closed doors, but the Minister of Finance, Bill English, says progress is always being made.
3: This has become a uh, very gritty relationship uh, based on respect rather than agreement. And by gritty, I mean dealing with real issues that matter to all of us. I think there was quite a long phase where government relations with Auckland were and I'm talking about 10 or 15 years, weren't really that serious. Uh, they just asked for money and government said yes or no. Uh, this is much more of a model of working together on common problems, in this case um, the impact of the Auckland housing market on the whole economy.
0: The housing issue discussed in today's meeting has remained in the public eye over the last months. Supplementary question, turo
3: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will the Prime Minister censure his Minister of Housing... For saying yesterday that the metropolitan urban limit.
0: For most of this year, the government's been publicly critical of the direction taken by Auckland Council on how to deal with the city's housing shortage. Auckland is 30,000 homes short and construction continues to lag behind the demands of a growing population. Sale prices are rising steeply. The council's working on two fronts a housing action plan and its unitary plan which aims to slow down sprawl and increase density in the urban area. The government believes strongly in one finding of the Productivity Commission's inquiry into housing affordability. That is that increasing the supply of rural or greenfields land will lower the cost of sections and make housing more affordable. Cabinet Ministers, including Mr English, have repeatedly pointed the finger at Auckland Council's grasp of the problem.
3: Where Auckland Council said there were 15,000 sections ready for building, it turns out there are 2,000 sections ready for building and that is why so many middle and low-income New Zealanders can't afford houses in Auckland. That member might like it that way. We think it's a bad outcome and we want to change it.
0: Auckland Council had never claimed 15,000 sections were ready to be built on. It said land for 15,000 dwellings was ready for developers to work on. The ready to build phrase was mistakenly used by the Mayor in two interviews. A government report later endorsed the Council's view of available land. So what of those things said in the hurly-burly of Parliament?
3: Well, look, there's always going to be robust things. I think right now in Auckland there's a billboard campaign targeting individual ministers. I think if you take all that stuff too seriously, uh, we'd be letting the country down. There's mutual recognition of the important role that both sides play and therefore our obligation to focus on the issues and not get too distracted by the sideshows and the
0: politics. At the Beehive visit, the mayoral group moves on to meet the Minister of Transport, Gerry Brownlee. Transport's one of the areas of tension between the council and government. The government has not been enthusiastic about the council's top priority, building an underground rail loop through downtown Auckland. Mr Brownlee didn't want to be interviewed on any aspect of his meeting with the Auckland Mayor.
3: It punches out of Britomart on the two outside tracks. They were put where they are, especially so that it can avoid the foundations of the CPO. So those two tracks
0: I'm at are the bottom of Queen 40 Street 40 in 40 downtown Auckland, Auckland with Carol Greensmith from the council agency Auckland Transport. She's pointing out the route of the proposed city rail link, which will carry trains out of the downtown terminus and through an underground loop with three inner city stations. So from the steps here at Britomart, it basically goes between the two high-rises here and and, and through what's currently that low-rise shopping centre?
3: Yeah, that's correct. And by making Britomart two-way, it'll then um, double the frequency of our train, so we'll have five to ten minute services
4: at most stations in Auckland.
0: The $2.4 billion rail link was an election promise of Len Brown's and has become the council's highest priority project. In addition to boosting the capacity of the rail network, the Council argues it will bring economic benefits by transforming the downtown area. Len Brown wants to start work inside a decade, but needs government funding. A business case led to a joint Council-Government study, which at the end of last year confirmed the project as the best option for the transport network. Since then, silence. Another big issue for the Council is how to raise the 10 to $15 billion over the next 30 years for this and other major transport projects. A group made up of a wide range of sectors has proposed two options, each a list of ideas including road tolls and petrol taxes. Public consultation is underway, although Mr Brownlee has already poured cold water on taxes and some tolling. <laughs>
1: okay
0: it's time for meeting number three in the beehive. So where where are you heading
1: now? So now we're going back down to see the Honorable Dr Nick Smith and um, during this discussion, we will continue on um, the discussions that we've been having, um, mostly between our. The offices. Mayor
0: is choosing his words carefully. Of, uh, it's early April, and government uh, and council officials of are in confidential uh, talks on how to kick start home construction in Auckland. It'll be another month before any outcome.
2: Okay, so um, welcome and good afternoon. So I'm pleased to announce that the government has today agreed an accord with Auckland Mayor Lynn Brown. Uh, to urgently increase the supply and affordability of housing in Auckland. It
0: came this month, six days before the government's fifth budget. The Prime Minister John Key announced a housing agreement with Auckland Council. The Council's planning rules would be fast-tracked for approved developments with the aim of doubling home construction within 18 months.
2: This afternoon's announcement is good news for Auckland families wanting
0: to buy more affordable homes uh, or
2: to find a place to rent.
0: There were smiles and handshakes for the cameras and for the Mayor, Len Brown, a peck on the cheek from the Associate Housing uh, Minister, Paula Bennett.
1: There's benefits here to both of us, of course. Uh, This is an accord uh, that certainly I uh, and uh, what I'll be uh, portraying to uh, my governing body partners and and, uh, councillors is very much a, an accord where there's benefits both sides, but mostly it's the benefit of the people of Auckland.
0: Um, but was it really a, an agreement between two willing partners? The accord, which became a centrepiece of the budget initiatives on housing, had been sought by the government. Its opening stance before six weeks of intense negotiations was its long-stated desire to speed up the process to increase the supply of rural land for housing around Auckland. To achieve this, it needed to fast-track parts of the Council's unitary plan, a 30-year development plan still in the making. The Government had previously refused the Council's wish to get the plan into operation by the end of the year, and the Council opposed breaking it up. The accord became possible when the Council negotiated for it to apply not only to rural land, but also to urban redevelopment, not part of the Government's original focus. The accord provided the government with a significant component of its budget announcements. The council leadership has reconciled itself with the result. Fourth meeting of the day. Where are you heading now? So we're going to
1: see the Honourable Amy Adams, of course uh, Minister for uh, the Environment. And this is about waiting, you know, and sort of the notifications of the draft unitary plan. Uh, it's also about panel makeup and, you know, waiting
0: This is a pressing issue for Auckland Council.
1: Its 30-year blueprint, the unitary
0: plan, could be ready in October and the council wants it to have teeth then. It brings new rules for intensifying urban development and more rural land for housing. How optimistic is Len Brown of making headway today? It's part of the journey really Um, you know
1: most of these meetings uh, do not necessarily come out with a finite decision but they often uh, lead you in the right direction and uh, look this presents an opportunity to really uh, provide um, as much clarity of thought and reasoning to the minister as we possibly can bring to bear.
0: Little is said as the mayoral group emerges half an hour later. The announcement of the housing accord a month after the beehive visit effectively scuttles the council's hopes. The accord fast tracks some housing elements and the rest of the plan must go through an appeal period determined by the government taking three to four years. There remains a haggle over whether the council will have any real say over who will sit on the panel considering those appeals.
1: Hey. So, you know, this crazy. The mayoral
0: mission to Wellington ends by meeting the parties that hope to be the government after next year's general election. First it's the Green Party its co-leader is Russell Norman.
5: Well,
2: Auckland's critical to New Zealand's future. Uh, Len Brown's the mayor, uh, Penny is deputy mayor of our biggest city, and a city that's going to be absolutely central to the future of New Zealand, so for us it's really important to catch up, um, and we support
0: you know, the large amount of what they're doing. In terms of the Green Party itself, how does that work for you, I mean, when it comes round to election time next year? Do, do people vote based on how their city in this case Auckland, is being treated?
2: I think that will be part of it, uh, Obviously you know when you vote it 's a lot of issues come together. Um, but I think that part of what people are watching is how central government does respond and treat Auckland. Uh, you know, Aucklanders have been very clear uh, that they want better public transport in Auckland. Uh, they don't support the National Party's plan for more sprawl. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that Auckland is really going in a very different direction to the National Party. Welcome
6: well, the opposition. Yeah. lovely to see.
0: You. <laughs> and on to the Labour Party, which is attempting to make political headway out of the relationship between between the council and the national-led government. But does the Labour leader, David Shearer, expect any government to do simply whatever the council wants?
2: No, I don't, and obviously what the central government needs to do is to make sure that what they're doing is in line with the central government thinking, But obviously what... Auckland Council should be able to do is to be able to set its own priorities, set its own plans and get on with it. And that's exactly what they're doing. There is an energy in Auckland that hasn't been there before and we think that's a fantastic thing. So on the, the majority of the big issues that the council is pushing through, we're on side with them on that because, quite frankly, that's where Auckland is want us to be as well. And so it's, a, it's really a question of getting in behind Auckland and getting behind the council and, and making it
0: happen. It's been only one day in the relationship between the government and the council, but does the mayor feel progress has been made on the things that count?
1: Yes, I, I think we have. I think we've got a clearer and firmer pathway in both uh, transport and Uh, unitary plan, housing affordability, availability issues, better understandings I think with the appropriate Ministers and so um, I come away feeling uh, that the direction is clearer. There's no replacement for face-to-face discussion. Uh, Of all of the meeting times that I've been down here to
0: Parliament, this day has been the most positive. Does it mean when certain announcements get made over the next couple of months that people will expect to see that the Council got what it's been publicly wanting?
1: Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say that because that would um, uh, presume uh, too much from the day and also presume decision making that that's not my decision to make. Uh, but you know, suffice to say on those areas I feel that um, as a council and council's position we're in um, a better place.
3: Thank you for your patience ladies and gentlemen. It's now invites all passengers to board flight JQ266 to
4: Auckland.
0: Despite submitting requests well in advance of the trip, three of the cabinet ministers visited by the mayoral group, jerry Brownlee, Nick Smith and Amy Adams, declined to be interviewed on any aspect of the visit or the role the discussions play in the government's relationship with Auckland Council. Once again,
3: this is Jetstar flying JQ266 to Auckland. Thank you.
0: From outside the political goldfish bowl, there's a different perspective on whether Auckland and the country are being well served by that relationship.
6: What we suggested was uh, a real partnership between Government and the Auckland Council.
0: Peter Salmon QC chaired the Royal Commission into Auckland Auckland Governance, which in 2009 uh, recommended the merging of the region's eight local bodies. Uh, Key elements which the Commission recommended were dumped by the Government, such as a designated Cabinet Minister for Auckland.
6: The relationship we envisaged would have provided clarity not only to the parties, the Council and the Government, but also, I think, to uh, the people of New Zealand and the people of Auckland, they would be able to see that the government and Auckland were working together and uh, and the result of that. I have no doubt that Auckland and the government are working together now, but uh, what we seem to lack is clarity as to what exactly is happening. And I think it would be desirable from everybody's point of view if we were able to see just what the government was doing, what council was doing, and the extent to which they were working together on proposals of importance to New Zealand.
0: David Shand was also on the three-member Royal Commission. He says that while the city was reformed by the amalgamation, there appears to have been less change in the way the government deals with its council. I think it hasn't changed the mindset the way that we had
5: hoped it would one gets the impression that, you know, the key ministers that that are dealing with Auckland issues, uh, Brownlee for transport, Smith for housing, Joyce for infrastructure... Uh, that they might, you know, have a slightly different mindset that they've got to listen seriously and be prepared to negotiate and not go charging in and expect to get their own way automatically without, uh, you know, very detailed consideration of the point of view and all the analysis put forward by Auckland. And, I mean, a case in point is the mayor convened a a task force, a very representative task force recently, as you know, to look at various ways of filling the funding gap for transport. And it involved, you know, all a very widely representative group in Auckland, but the central government chose not to participate. So that's a sign that they're becoming defensive or that they're not willing to talk properly. Uh, I think that's uh, quite a worrying sign.
0: The government not only chose not to take part in the so-called consensus building group, but immediately poured cold water on some recommendations. The group is charged with finding ways to plug a $10 to $15 billion gap in funding for a range of big projects planned for the next 30 years. The Minister of Transport, Gerry Brownlee, immediately rejected a regional fuel tax and charges to use existing roads, both in the mix which the group listed. Kim Campbell, the Chief Executive of the Employers and Manufacturers Association, is part of that group. He says dismissive political comments from Wellington shouldn't be paid too much attention, even though they aren't helpful.
2: I mean, the ideal situation would be uh, where uh, central government recognised that we have a a looming problem here over the next 15 years. There are a lot of people coming to live in Auckland and that the funding, we can sit down and talk like grown-ups about it. But that, frankly, wasn't really happening. We had people saying, well, you've got your water view. that will take care of the next 15 years. We all know that if you start talking about the problems in 15 years' time, it's too late. We've got to remind ourselves that the motorway network we're finishing now was designed in 1956 to be completed in 1974. So, you know, we're always running, playing catch-up. Now, that might have worked in a city of a million people. It certainly isn't going to work
5: with a city of two million.
0: The Mayor, Len Brown, is overseeing the ongoing discussion of other ways to fund the transport projects and isn't deterred by the Minister's comments. I would have thought that the response might have been somewhat more moderated. And
1: you look back at these things and you you feel, oh, you know, it would have been fine just to have heard the words along the lines of, OK, thank you very much for that. Very well considered. Uh, gives us options. We will await the outcome of the continuing discussion. If sometimes if people had a, a, a time to reflect a little bit more on it or consider things, they might have a slightly different view. But in the end, we've got to pursue our course and the government need to respond the way that they think is appropriate
0: observers say one problem is that the government discarded the royal commission's proposals for structure in the relationship
4: what the royal commission was trying to achieve was to put some institutional structure around the notion of partnership and i think we're probably the worse for not having done that
0: david wilson's the director of aut's public policy institute and says that harms the effectiveness of the relationship.
4: For example, if you are thinking about the approximately $12 billion that's spent in Auckland on social spending, and you begin to exclude the Auckland Council from any kind of decision-making around those kinds of developments, I think that is um, fundamentally flawed reasoning where Auckland was heading and through three and a half thousand submissions and a number of um, people speaking to those submissions was towards more shared partnership and decisions, especially areas like social development and some of the intractable problems that we have, even in health, but also economic development. So the institutional structure was not put there. We ended up with a social policy forum, which largely has no teeth and no access to funding and very little uh, implementation capability. I'm not saying some good things haven't come out of that, but... Um, by and large, that's not a shared co-governance arrangement.
0: David Wilson says in amalgamating Auckland, the government stripped out the Royal Commission's emphasis on partnership.
4: The subsequent process that the government went through with the amalgamation was more around cost savings, cost effectiveness, and if you remember the words that um, Minister Hyde was using at the time, the streamlining of local government. Once again, those things are relatively unproven.
0: Despite being set up under special legislation, Auckland Council is also affected by other reforms being considered for the wider local government sector. Ideas being kicked around in the proposed reforms of resource management laws may include a national or regional agencies for some planning decisions. May Chen is a specialist in public law and says that's a reversal for Auckland. There seems to be one movement or initiative by statute moving in one direction, and then now, two years later, what's changed, well what's changed is we're now starting to see how powerful Auckland Council is, you've got legislation coming back the other way. Mm. And as I've said, look, I can understand from central government's point of view, you want your hands on the levers, you always do. I mean, by God, if I was a minister, I would. Um, because you want to be able to control what's going on. At the end of the day, if you're the minister, uh, you you get left holding the baby. If things go wrong, people blame you. And Clearly, in election year, you'd like to say that, you know, I'm wonderful and i fixed everything. So there there are certainly tensions there, and you can see them, you know, whether... Mm. Um, it's over the the affordable housing debate in Auckland or whether it's over the unitary plan debate. Much of the day-to-day business between Auckland Council and the Government is conducted by officials.
4: There's a relationship conducted at
0: many levels. Phil (laughs) Wilson's the (laughs) Chief of Staff (laughs) in the Mayor's office. He's explaining the complicated chart of the various committees where Government and Council officials meet.
4: There's a cluster dealing with social sector issues Uh, Justice, Ministry of Social Development activities and the like. Similarly there's other work in the economic development space with a different group of officials.
0: Lower level contact is made almost hourly, weekly when you get up to the higher level meetings. No one denies there have been moments of real tension and significant differences at times between Auckland Council and the Government. But for every disagreement played out in public, the Mayor Len Brown says 10 are solved quietly behind closed doors. He cites legislation allowing the Council to phase in big rises in property rates during the shift to a region-wide system. The agreement to plan and buy property for future construction of the downtown rail tunnel, the joint purchase of Queens Wharf and others. Former Royal Commissioner David Shand says even the sticking points have a positive side. These big issues,
5: these big uh, debates about uh, infrastructure and uh affordable housing and so on, uh, which are key issues in Auckland. I don't think they would have come out into the public arena nearly as quickly if we hadn't moved to have the, the super city. So the super city has brought the focus much more quickly onto these key issues. If we had still had the seven or eight local councils on the reg- and the regional uh, council, I think we'd still be flummoxing around and the government would still find it impossible to deal with Auckland
0: because Auckland uh, would not have had one voice. The Prime Minister John Key declined to be interviewed on the Government's relationship with Auckland Council. No one from the Government's Auckland Policy Office was allowed to be interviewed. The public sparring continues, this from the Finance Minister Bill English, discussing the housing accord at a post-budget breakfast.
3: The reason we've been able to get agreement with Auckland City Council is because we've come to understand the pressures they are under, and they have come to understand that we cannot let 20 planners sitting in the Auckland City Council offices make decisions that will wreck the macro economy.
1: If I paid too much attention to that, you know, we'd be in a state of revolution. What's the point? But is that a symptom of the relationship? No, it's not. You've got Cabinet Minister, Prime Minister, parliamentarians in a hothouse down there in Wellington spending half their life with t v and radio microphones you know shoved within close proximity, them asking them for instant reflections on parliamentary life and the decisions they've just made and so, in that type of scenario, things tend to be heightened, and comments are uh, sometimes made that in uh, the real light of day um, you know would be somewhat theatrical for my view i I tend to ignore most of what's said uh, in front of a camera by our political colleagues in central government and just deal with them in terms of our relationship on a one-on-one way and i think that's the best way to do it
0: the biggest test in the relationship is still to be resolved the government has yet to formally respond to the joint study which supported the case for the downtown rail tunnel but the mayor len brown retains an unexplained air of optimism i'm todd nile and this has been insight for this week If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight.